Hello, everybody, and welcome to Can You Put Me On Guest List. I'm Katie Knight, and this week, my guest is the wonderful Victor de la Serna. Victor is the music director at the most creative, fun, craziest, colorful, and fast-growing brands in the music industry. Yes, you guessed it, at Elro. This week, Elro celebrated their 10th year anniversary. So a huge congratulations to all of the team. You guys are just amazing. And even though obviously no events can be held at the moment, they still managed to celebrate in Elro style with an amazing live stream with some of the Elro resident DJs. Confetti and inflatables and actors and the whole shebang was obviously included too. And it was really cool because people from all over the world could connect to the stream by Zoom. And it was great to see people that had decorated their houses with Elro things that I guess they've collected from Elro events over the years. I have so many things in my house, um, but that's another story. So in this chat, we talk about how Elro has grown over the last 10 years and where Victor sees the brand in the next 10 years, his beginnings in the music industry, Elro's key to success, career highlights and memorable Elro moments. And of course, just like in every podcast, Victor's guest list rule. Victor is one of those people that just always puts a smile on your face. So it was so good to talk to him and I hope you guys enjoy this show. This is Victor de la Serna on Can You Put To Be On Guest List. Enjoy. Victor, hello. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> it's nice to see you over Zoom. Yeah, finally. <laughs> I know. It's been such a long time. Um, yeah. You guys celebrated your 10th year anniversary yesterday. Yes, we did yesterday, but in the virtual world, which is the, this, the sad thing, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was thinking if you guys had celebrated the 10 year anniversary in like, the actual real thing we probably wouldn't be speaking right now anyway no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> we would be speaking by a different situation <laughs> i know it would definitely be a different situation and yeah. i would probably be with you somewhere <laughs> how was it because i was thinking that was probably actually a really nice way for you guys to celebrate the 10th year anniversary because you did a big zoom call yeah and anybody from around the world could connect whereas if you'd have done like an actual physical real event even though people could attend this was a really nice way for people from all over the planet to be able to celebrate with you yeah i mean at the end of the day look we're living in the situation that we all know and there's not much we can do about it uh but you know this uh, is our 10th anniversary and we always do it and uh, the party was programmed with a really nice and big lineup but uh you know we thought it was now that we can get together finally in spain and we can get some groups of people together with obviously all the safety measures we thought it would be nice to have all the resident djs celebrate the 10th anniversary um yeah so i think it's i think it was better this way and i think i think it was good it was and the nice thing about it as well is that you could see people from all over the world decorating their house yes. it was elro interested <laughs> up it was amazing <laughs> and it's so good to see so many people getting so into it as yeah. well it's so nice and 
I mean, to create a community like that must be so, so difficult. And obviously you guys have, have done that. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, it's, as you know, as you well know, because you know the family and the, and the company for a long time. It's, 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 you know, it's 10 years ago. It wasn't definitely like this. I mean, I wasn't here 10 years ago. This is my, I've been here now for six years. Um, but even six years ago, it wasn't like this, you know, it, we were not doing sellouts. I remember the first party we did in London, which was probably five years ago. We couldn't even sell a thousand tickets, you know, and yeah, yeah. Really? First party was at Village Underground. And I think we had Seth playing and I can't remember someone else, Richie Ahmed, maybe, or Jack Master. And we, you know, we didn't announce anyone, but we didn't, we sold, I think like 700 tickets at Village Underground, uh, you know. And that was five years ago. That was five years ago, yeah. Yeah, people think that we've been like huge from the beginning and no, no, it's not like that at all. So it's the 10 year anniversary of ten, the actual brand. 10 years is the is the anniversary of El Row in the format that everyone knows it now. Yeah. Because El, El Row is, El, El Row the brand is, is much, much older than this. Um, because El Row started as a, as a nightclub in, in Barcelona before we even went outside next to the airport. Um, and it was yeah. a nightclub, it was a Saturday, it was a Friday or Saturday night uh, venue with nothing else. There was no decoration, there was no no nothing, just a club. So it was just like a normal club night and yeah. that was it? Yeah, correct. Wow. Yeah, because, the, you know, they are now family, they moved from Fraga, where they're originally from, they moved to Barcelona, um, probably maybe like 20 years ago. And then um, at some point, uh, they wanted to recreate what, what they did with uh, Florida 135 and, and do it in Barcelona because they were living here. And they, they started in the, I can't remember where it was, oh. but it was in the center. And I never actually went there. Um, and then a few years later, they, um, they found the venue, um, the venue where it is now outside Barcelona, which is the open air venue. And El uh, Rose started there, but it also started as a nightclub. Uh, it started, uh, if you can believe it, it was, it was nighttime uh, in that place as well. And nobody, absolutely nobody came to the parties. <laughs> no, that's insane. Look at it now. Nobody, like nobody went at all. Nobody went. No, no, no. We, wow. we, were, we were about to close twice, I think, uh, El Ro, because no one's coming. It's just, you know, the family was just, the company was just losing money. And I, rem I actually remember being there. It must have been about 10 years ago. It must have been 2010, 2011, maybe 2011 or 2012, eight years ago, something like that. And I remember going on Sonar Week, going with, um, with the marketing director for DJ Mag in, in uh, Worldwide, the UK, the UK, because we've never seen it. And they were already opening in the mornings as an after party. So we went there. We actually woke up on, I think it was like a Thursday or something like that, or a Friday from Sonar by night. Woke up early, had some breakfast, and went, took a taxi and went to El Row. Uh, <laughs> and I remember walking in, getting in there completely sober. And <laughs> well, you can imagine. <laughs> oh, I can imagine what comes next. And, uh, no, no, yeah, what, what comes next is Juan re receiving us with three shots of tequila at like 10 o'clock in the morning. But <laughs> oh, breakfast. But I, 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 yeah, breakfast, the breakfast of champions. And, <laughs> and I remember that, I remember because it was Richie Houghton was playing in the terrace and Paco Osuna was playing inside. I don't know, maybe there was a thousand people in the club, if we were lucky. Uh, Paco inside, he was playing for 
five or six people. And I know this because I found a video on an old computer like a few years ago. No way, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. I found that video. It was on my, on my, on my ex's, my ex recorded it. My ex-person recorded it. And, and I found it on an old computer looking through old files. I saw the files and, and I remember there's a video of, um, of the main room and there was literally, there's like three or four people in the main room only. And the terrace a bit more busy. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And was there like decoration and stuff at this point? There was not that much. There was a little bit, but hardly any. Basically, they, they, they started to, um, you know, they started to do decorations uh, when they saw that they were opening in the mornings as an after party. And there was a, there was a different kind of vibe. And, you know, and uh, Juan wanted to start, you know, playing with the people, you know, trying to make something different. People come here in the morning. It's nice weather. Let's, you know, start with water pistols and you know, stupid things like that. And they used to tie up people around the dance floor. They used to come with like toilet paper or whatever. And they used to tie them up together and, you know, buy things from the Chinese stores, like all these crazy toys and water guns. And I mean, they started developing from there, going in like starting decorations, let's get some actors and steel walkers and yeah and then it just finished into what what it is now what do you guys know <laughs> is that where singer morning comes from singer morning means uh, canta mañanas in spanish which canta my uh, what does that mean for people that canta, don't understand canta spanish mañanas means someone that is super outgoing who dress in colors he doesn't care about what other people think you know uh, that kind of person where he's like yeah fuck it i'm you know oh sorry can I swear or I cannot swear? You can swear, <laughs> don't worry. I've had much worse. I've had Nick Yates on the podcast, ah, okay, so fine. you can Nick, swear. If Nick's been on the podcast, then I'm, then I'm, I'm safe. All right, Chief? <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. No, um, where were we? Where were we? Canta Mañanas. Canta Mañanas, yeah. yeah, that's right, sorry. So Canta Mañanas is, uh, is, that, yeah, that, is that person that doesn't care whether they're singing on the streets, you know, with everyone listening to them. They dress in like, fluor colors and and they don't care yeah you know people that they funny people that they they don't care they don't care whether people look at them in a, in any way or yeah it's just people so singer morning is a straight translation from canta mañanas canta is to sing and mañanas is mornings so singer morning ah, i thought it came from like an after party no, in the mornings no, no. Uh, there's, not, there's not really that much secrets to anything that we do, you know that. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So tell us a little bit about your <clears throat> beginnings. How did you start out in the industry, even before Elro? Because I know that you've done a lot in the yeah. industry. So tell us a little bit about your my, beginnings. My beginnings, the, the early, early beginnings. So I, ca I come from a very small town in the north of Spain called Huesca. Um, which is about 40,000 people live there. Um, but we had a very, very good thing where we were really lucky is that we had uh, Florida 135 and Monegros Festival were happening in Huesca. They happened in Fraga, which is like an hour drive from Huesca. So I grew up going to, you know, I think when I was 16, I was not allowed, but I, I went to see Carl Cox to, uh, to Florida 135. And I think the first Monegros that I went was probably like, a couple of years later, maybe like 98, 97, 98 was the like early, late, late 90s. That's when I started. And this is the first time thing that I discovered. So for me, it was like mind blowing. And after that, I started DJing in bars in, in Huesca. Um, then in 99, I moved to London to study sound engineering and music technology. And while I was studying in London, I started DJing as well uh, in bars in London. Then I then Pasha, Pasha London Open, I think it was like 2001 or something like that. 
So I became a resident at Pasha London and I was uh, promoting one night as well. Uh, and I did that for five or six years. Then uh, I was doing the same at Ministry of Sound for a few years more. Uh, in the meantime, I was also the soul and dance and hip hop buyer for H&B, which is like uh, the big record store. Yeah, that's massive. So I was responsible for bringing the, so the music and other things, but uh, yeah. And then in 2010, I got the offer to uh, open and uh, be the managing director for DJ Mag in Spain. And which I'm happy to say that 10 years later is still running. And in 2013, I moved to Australia to set up DJ Mag in Australia after three years in Spain. Ah, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that you'd set yeah. up the one in Australia as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was in Australia for a year and then I came back to Spain. I started, I was doing some press um, but uh, for my own. And then I got a call from Juan to uh, come to Barcelona to speak with him. And uh, the rest is history. As they say. <laughs> <laughs> that was six years ago. And before you started working with Elro, did you already know the family? Yeah. Did you have a relationship with them before that? Because obviously you used to go yes. to Monegros. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I met, uh, I met, I have, I've known Juan's dad for longer than I know Juan. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because I met, I met Juan's dad, I think I met him in 99 or 2000. I met him in Florida 135 because I was, I had a very good friend of mine, uh, still one of my very good friends, uh, Angel Molina, which is a Spanish techno DJ. And uh, I met him in London. It was funny because he was playing in London and he came on his own. And I was, it was me with another Spanish friend. And we saw Angel walking around the club uh, at the end. It was uh, the club called The End. And we saw Angel walking around on his own and we were like, hey, Angel, we're Spanish as well. And he was like, oh, that's so nice. I'm on my own, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So uh, we stayed the whole night with him. And then I became really close friends with him. So I came, he was playing at Florida and I'm flew, I flew from London to go see him at Florida 135. And he introduced me to Juan's dad. So what year would that have been in? 99 or 2000. Wow, 99. Yeah. So 20 years ago almost. <laughs> 20 years ago. And when you started with Elro, was your role what it is now? Yes. Or did you start doing something no, different? I'm always, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, when I started, I was uh, was in charge of all the music, which has always been my, my job from the beginning, music director. But I was also helping with a bit of press and with a bit of, because obviously at the beginning it was, you know, we were only doing like shows in Barcelona, a few shows in Madrid, yeah, a couple of shows in the south of France and a few more shows in, in Italy. But that's it. We're not doing anything else. So I was helping with the commercial side of things, uh, talking to the promoters. I was pretty much doing a bit of everything with Juan. Yeah. But, you know, as the, as the company has been growing, then, you know, you need to, I need to concentrate more in my, in my department, which is the music. How many people work for Elro now? Now, not many. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pre-COVID, before coronavirus. Pre-COVID. Um, yeah, pre-COVID, we were uh, about 100 people, full-time employees. Wow. Plus another 100 that were um, temporary workers. So they, they work only for events and etc. Like the actors and people like that? Actors, yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably even much more than that. But the uh, full-time employees, uh, 100. Do you have to hire actors for every country that you go to or does the same team just travel? Uh, no, no, no. We, we, at the beginning, we used to, uh, we used to travel with, uh, with everyone. But um, now we just have like a core, like a core team. 
which uh, they have like people and actors and still workers that work with us. <clears throat> and we, we hire everyone locally always. Um, you know, it saves cost, uh, you know, in traveling, in logistics. And also it's nice to work with local people, you know. Yeah, definitely. Not just us traveling, us 20 people traveling everywhere. No, we take a couple of technicians, yeah. a couple of uh, like, um, you know, performance uh, managers. And they, you know, they meet with everyone. I mean, when, when we've been working for so many years in so many different countries, you already have a team that we try to work with the same team of people um, in each country. So, yeah, we're in, and same with the technicians. We carry, we, we, we travel with one or two technicians, but then all the technicians are local as well. So we try to hire as much local as we can. Yeah, that's good. And what about like the production and decoration? Because sometimes I'm like, like if it's New Year's Day or New Year's Eve and you have like four events happening yeah. at the same time, I'm like, how do they do that? We can we, we can actually we can actually do uh, five um, five shows in five different continents if you like at, at the same time. Wow, that's, that's insane. That was our at the peak. Uh, that's the other peak. That was uh, that was our max. But um, yeah, I mean everything the decorations, everything is done in in Barcelona. <clears throat> All the big decorations are made by hand in Barcelona and painted and everything. We have a huge warehouse in uh, in here. Uh, inflatables, uh, we design them and when we make them in China. Uh, everything else, I mean, even the confetti, you guys probably don't realize these things, but even the confetti has is color-coded to each uh, theme. Is it really? Yeah. If you look at the yeah, if you look at the at the, at the confetti, is is different on each on each uh, on each theme. Wow, that's insane! So if you look at the confetti that happens on Rose Attacks, for example, they're like tiny little uh, aliens and um, and flying saucers and stuff. If you do with the one that we do with El Rocío with the Spanish party. They're all like uh, red and red and white, which is the color of the Feria de Abril. I never ever knew this. Yeah, yeah. Now you know something else. Now I do know <laughs> something else. That's nuts. Uh, how do you yeah. choose what theme is going to be at each party? Um, it's, it's to do, there's, there's two main reasons. One, that that theme hasn't been in that country the same year. So we try not to repeat because normally once the year is passed, those themes get, they don't get changed because the core of the theme is still there. But we change the fancy costumes from the from the actors. We change, we make the stages bigger. So they change, but the the core is still there. So you know, if we do like a psychedelic trip where the you know the the stage used to be like a huge monkey head, and now we have um what's it called? We have another animal. I can't remember now the name in in English of the animal. Uh, a, chamele a chameleon. A we chameleon. chameleon yeah. So, you know, so it changes, even though it's the same theme, it's, it's changed. And obviously the most important is logistics, because when you do 150 shows all over the world uh, per year, logistics are a bitch, as, uh, as you can imagine. Yeah. That's the hardest part. I can imagine. Yeah. So according to the Elroy website, last year you guys held more than 150 shows in 27 countries and had 65 <laughs> sold out events and over 746,000 attendees. And in 2016, which is still so, so much, you had plus 90 shows in 14 countries, over 650,000 attendees and 57 sold out events. Now, I know that this is probably yeah. a question that you get asked a lot, but what do you think has been the key to Elro's success? 
I think it's fun. It's, you know, people are there, why do you go out? People go out for one main reason, is to have fun, you know? Uh, yeah, you meet other people, you know, you can, you know, find a girl or a boy or whatever, but but people go to have fun and to forget about their problems and to forget about the week. And and I think when we, you know, the industry is it's not changed since, since the very, very, very beginning. The industry has always been a DJ or a musician and people dancing to him. That's yeah. it. It's it's a very simple um, it's a very simple uh, plan. It's not it's, it's nothing complicated to it. And we haven't invented the the wheel in here. You know, we're throwing confetti, we're doing decorations, we're having steel walkers. That there was already steel walkers in Ibiza in the mid nineties. So we're not doing and we're not claiming to have invented the wheel again and having rediscovered the industry. Uh, it's not like that. But I think we've taken the seriousness out of the clubbing. You know, because before it's like everyone is just focused on seeing a DJ and, and it's great. We've all started there and I, I still love going to a club to just see a DJ and for and just get lost in the music. But I think with the road we've managed to have, you know, we've managed to have a, a spectacle, like a show that is a bit theater, it's street theater. It's funny because we don't take things too seriously when it comes to, uh, you know, taking the piece out of things and, you know, playing on stereotypes. And I think... You know, we live in an area where everything is too politically correct. So I think it's good that someone is, you know, without obviously without uh, insulting anyone because we you know we we're not about that. But I think it's nice to to have something that people can laugh at themselves and they can put a, a wig and and do this and 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 look. I know this is not for everyone, and and it's it's absolutely fine. Uh, but I think when you offer something more experiential to the people, um, you know, people like it. Or people you know take it with a bit more love i guess uh, because anyone can go to a club and see a dj but you know to have something a bit more experiential is is different and i think young kids these days they're looking for something extra than just you know than just a dj but i think we, we've managed to get like good lineups you know good underground music we haven't gone to the edm or anything like that so I think we've managed to mix both the best of both worlds. You know, you got good lineups. We've had people like Adam Bayer, Carl Cox, Seth, Martinez Brothers. You know, they've all played that role many times. So yeah, uh, if you put everything together, I think, you know, we had a winning combination. It's that wow factor as well, That's isn't it? That's the wow factor, yeah. As you said before, when you do go out clubbing, it is generally normally quite serious. But yeah. when you go to Elro, it's... I mean, it obviously it's important to know who's playing when you go when you go out. But at Elro, yeah. it's not the most important thing. It's everything else that comes with it. It's the experience. It's the production, and on top yeah. of that, it's the energy but, and the happiness that you feel from yeah. everybody in that room. Correct. I think at the end of the day, we might we you know we don't book DJs that play like super deep house or melodic techno or anything like that just because it does it doesn't go with the vibe. That, that we try to to create at the row. At the row is high energy, it's fun. You know, you wanna see people smiling on the dance floor. At the end of the day, when you are, you know, when you're at the DJ booth or you're backstage and you're looking at the dance floor, what you wanna see is people enjoying it, you know, and people smiling and, and having fun because that's what's gonna bring them back. A good DJ set or a good uh, one good throw of confetti or, no, that's, that's you know, that's not what's going to bring them back. The whole combination of a good DJ set with good decoration, with good performers, with a nice crowd, that's what's going to bring people back. And that's what's going to make you go back home and say, wow, I was at this party yesterday. It was fucking mind-blowing. You know, I had so much fun. Yeah. I don't even remember who I saw or where I was, but I had so much fun. So let's go back. 
And, you know, I think with El Rose, a little bit like that. I, I've known people that are like, I like, I like to call them techno-talibans, you know, that they're like only, nothing that, nothing that doesn't come out outside of Berghain is, is good. It's only, and I've, I've managed to take them to El Rose one. And I was Techno like, look. taliban <laughs> <laughs> they are. And I'm like, look, come to a row. I know you don't like the music. I know it's not your vibe. Just come with me. You know, come with me and let me know what you think. And they, they've come and they had fun. And they were like, look, I wouldn't come here on my own. or I, This wouldn't be my first choice of a party. But, you know, I had fun. It's a fun party. It is. And it's just like the small little details as well. Like at Amnesia, for example, that little karaoke room. Or yeah, I opened exactly. a book yesterday and I had an Elro dollar note in there. It's just like the tiniest little details that <laughs> just make it so much there's, fun. You know, there's things that I haven't even been able to see myself. Like I, I see after movies from Amnesia and I'm like... Was that there? I didn't even see it. <laughs> like, where was I when that happened? I mean, I'm in the karaoke room. I saw it after two years in Amnesia for the first time last summer, you know? <laughs> I was working at Amnesia and I didn't even know that that room existed. I walked in by mistake and I was like, why did nobody ever tell yep, me about this? You <laughs> so you guys obviously never fail to surprise us all with the most creative ideas. And sometimes they're like the most simplest ideas, but they just work so, so well. Even during lockdown, I know for all of us, it's been hard to, to stay creative throughout the whole lockdown. But yeah. you guys have been so on point, even with like videos of Rogelia and like meeting her family. <laughs> so do you guys think of all of these ideas as a team or do you have specific people that come up with yeah. all of these ideas? There is, there, is, there is obviously a creative team and there's like creative meetings pretty much on a daily basis. But I like to think that we're a, we're a very creative company as a whole, you know? Uh, so any idea, is, any idea is good. And uh, traditionally, you know, when, when there's a new theme decided or when there's something new that it gets put on the table to the, I mean, obviously there's creative people and there's a lot of people in the company that are not so much creative. But most of the people in this company are very creative. So we, we, you know, we like to open, I think it's open to anyone to, to throw ideas and, you know, there's not a bad idea, you know, yeah. anything goes, especially, especially with us. Yeah. You know, the craziest idea can be like, <laughs> yes, yes, that's the one. <laughs> and the thing is with you guys as well is that obviously I know that you knew the family before you started working with them. But there's such a family yeah. vibe with your whole team. And I know where you're recording this yeah. now is from the Elro offices, which I actually have never been to before. I'd love to go one day. But from what I've seen in the videos, yeah. every room is a different theme. And you also do a lot of team building activities and stuff like that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we, I mean, at the end of the day, the, I mean, the name of the company is Elro Family. And, you know, this has been a family company since the 1870, you yeah. know, when Juan's great, 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 great granddad opened the first bar in, in Fraga and the cinemas and everything. So the family has always tried to keep that same family feeling towards everyone that work here. And it, in fact, it's, it's, you know, it's known that if you can come with like 100 degrees, but if you don't, if you don't get on well with the team, then your degrees are worth nothing, you know? Because we want, we want people that they, you know, we're all friends working in here and we all get on well together. And as you say, we do team buildings and we have dinners together. And 
it's nice, you know, it's a very nice working environment. And I think that it's important that you, what you do in the office and or what you try to show to the people that transpires, transpires to the work in the office. So, you know, when you can meet someone that works in here, we try, we like to think that everyone is on the same, on the same level, on the same vibe. Yeah, makes sense. What do you think has been one of your biggest career highlights since you've been at Elro? Hmm. That's a question that always, always, always comes, and and it's very hard to uh, it's very hard to answer. Um, I, I'm gonna have to think of a new one, but this is this is this has been one of my highlights for sure. I don't know if you remember a few years ago we did a uh, we switched on the Christmas lights on Carnaby Street in London. I do, I do remember. <laughs> yes, there's probably been bigger things that we've done, like you know, selling out the Rotown London in like hours, which coming from not even being able to sell 700 tickets four or five years before, and now going on to selling 30, 30 something tickets, 30,000 uh, tickets. It's it's a huge, um, you know, it's a huge. It's massive. There's like being interviewed for the BBC, you know, being on documentaries like this this Ibiza now, the new one that we are very heavily featured in there. I don't know, a lot of things. But for me, I think it was uh, Carnaby Street just because of the, how it transcends from not being just a club brand, you know? Yeah. Uh, the story is quite funny because I got a, we were in Ibiza and and I was, I was in, a, in the same house with Juan and some other people. And I got a call from a UK number, and I, I normally, if I don't, if I don't realize, if I don't know the number, I not normally pick up the phone, just in case. But uh, <laughs> so if anyone is calling me with that, that you're that not going to answer. Numbers, I follow, I follow, I apologies in advance. So yes, yeah, so I got this call from a UK landline, and obviously, when someone calls you from a landline, it's even more suspicious, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So I got a call and I was like, oh, hi, um, you know, my name is this, uh, I work in this uh, PR agency and we'd like to talk to you about uh, switching on the Christmas lights on, Car- on Carnaby Street. And this was in the summer, it was like August, September, and I'm like, yeah, okay, right, just, you know, if you want anything, just send me, send me an email and we can talk, because I thought it was a prank call. And indeed, like 10 minutes later, I got an email from this agency, who is the agency for the whole of Carnaby Street. And they were like, look, we really want you to do this. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just hung up on these guys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah, so I obviously called back uh, quickly and I spoke with them again. And, they, yeah, they wanted to, you know, there was a young agency. Carnaby has always been like the rebel part of London in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so they, they thought it was a great idea to have a road with the Christmas lights. Um, but after everything, they didn't want to announce anything because they were scared that they, it was going to get too overcrowded on the streets if we, if we got announced. So it was a secret. So it never got announced? It never got announced. Oh. No, never, ever got announced. People must However, have been like, what is going on? Exactly. <laughs> they, <laughs> Juan and me, we had a secret uh, bet. Uh, that it was that if the police came and closed us down, that would have been the biggest success we can have. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, you know, while goals. we were setting up, obviously we, we were setting up, we were setting up the, the stage in the middle of Carnaby Street. So you could have, you had a stage and you had like the, the four streets in the middle. Yeah, uh, well, sorry, the, first, the two streets crossing down. 
And obviously, people started to see it, so people started to come. And uh, we had also we had Patrick, uh, Patrick Topping, and it's everything were playing that day. Amazing! It was pretty cool because Dan Dan came with his kid, with Leah, with his wife, you know, and and it was fun. You know, it was more like a Christmasy family thing. And um, but even oh my god, I don't know. If, I mean, if I tell you that we had 40,000 people come to Carnaby Street to see it. <laughs> <gasps> so oh. in the uh, we had the um, you know I, I got interviewed by the local news live on television in the UK which was a nice because I didn't say anything to my friends in London and they saw me some of them saw me in the news and I, I got a few angry calls. <laughs> uh, Juan Senior got interviewed for the main Telediario in Spain for the main news at 9 p.m. So that was really, it was really really big for us you know as a, as a Spanish brand being being asked to do the the Christmas lights on um, on Carnaby Street in London. For us, it was a time when we were like, okay, people maybe are taking us seriously. They don't just think that we're, you know, some party brand and that's it. Yeah. And that was huge, you know. And in the end, we got closed by the police. Uh, the party got closed down by the police. A so, huge yes. success. <laughs> a huge success. <laughs> so I think I, I, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, I'm going to, there's, there's plenty of more. But if I have to choose one, I will choose that one. Do you think that people knew that you were coming when you were setting everything up? Because people yeah, yeah, must yeah, have just course. seen everything yeah, yeah, yeah. getting put I up. I mean, we, we didn't close the streets. You know, we only had a little bit close to put up the decoration. So they started seeing all signs and everything. People knew. So word of mouth spread like wildfire. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> and what about memorable <laughs> moments? What If you had to choose one memory from Elro... Yeah. What would it be? Well, I'm sure that there's millions of them. There's a millions. I mean, there's, there's nice things, you know, because when you, I remember when two, three years ago, we were, we were booking Carl Cox to play in, in the summer in Barcelona for us. And, you know, we, we don't have a huge budget. So it was either booking Carl Cox and that's it and no more DJs or, or booking more DJs. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember talking with Juan, we were like, wow, you think we can ask him for like a three hour set? And then we can fill up with residents and we're like, yeah, let's go for it. And I'm like, I went like, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask him for six hours set because he's going to say no. But then we might have four hours set. It's like, yeah, perfect. So we asked for six hours set and he said, yes, to six hours. <laughs> <laughs> so we had Carl playing for six hours in the, in the terrace in Barcelona, which was absolutely epic. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. I don't know what other, I think the feeling of the first festival that we did, you know, the, when we did our festivals in Elbrow Town in Amsterdam and in London, just going. Was that the first ever festival that you did? The first ever one we did was in London. Oh, yeah. Okay. As Elbrow, as Elbrow Festival, yeah, that was yeah. the first one, as a full Elbrow Festival. And seeing the festival grow into, you know, the, the first year was, was good, was okay. Uh, you know, it was, but it was like a big party. It didn't feel like a festival. But with the years, you know, I remember last year walking into both festivals in Amsterdam and, and in London, and you could really feel that you were in a festival. Really, really feel it. And, and, and it was really good. And, I, you know, that, that's a really good feeling. To see how the brand grows from what we did six years ago or nine, ten years ago to where we are now is yeah. just amazing. Got doing Tomorrowland as well. That was huge. Oh, you I've know? done so much. Getting the second main stage at Tomorrowland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First times in New York, you know, doing a sellout in New York, going to Vegas, there's, there's just too many things. <laughs> We're going to need another hour. <laughs> yeah, we probably will. Um, do you find that, like, at the end of every year, you're like, we've done all of this this year, how are we going to make this bigger and better next year? That is... That that is a conversation of every year. It's like, no, don't worry. Next year we're going to do less, bigger, better. And then we end up doing 
everything again <laughs> you do you just never stop yeah. what do you yeah, think is the thing that you've learned the most on a personal level since working with Elro humility I think uh you know um the people that work that you know they are now family they are probably they, they could be the most arrogant people in the world you know they had every right to be you know they were the pioneers in spain in music festivals they've been traveling around the world they have probably the number one brand in the world or most recognizable brand and they are the complete opposite you know they're really humble people they like family and i've always i've always been a humble person you know i've always thought never close doors behind you but being in a company with such you know such growth and such you know, worldwide, not domination, but such worldwide presence, uh, you know, it makes you think that being humble goes a long way, you know, and, and, you know, you need to think, you don't need to think what people think of you, but I'd like to say that for me, at least in my 20 plus years that I've been working in the industry, you hope that you cannot find anyone that would say a bad word about me, you know, that I've never gone anyone behind the, their backs or anything like that. And, and that, for, that for me, that's the most valuable thing. And that's something that is, you know, is very similar to what how we work in Elbro. I don't think anybody could say anything bad about you, Victor. Uh. You're one of the <laughs> nicest people in the industry. And I say that with my hand on my heart. It's so, so lovely. Thank so you. yesterday you celebrated the 10-year yep. anniversary of Elro, as we said at the beginning. Where can you see Elro in the next 10 years? Oof, uh, I don't know. In space, hopefully, I'd love to go to space at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think with the row, we just look at the end. The strategy for the company was always to, you know, world domination in a way. So at the beginning, when we started to get interest um, from everywhere around the world, we were doing everything and anything. And and between you and me and everyone that is listening. The tour for the many first for the many few years didn't make money. It was we were losing money on the tour, but it was our way to, you know, to get to South America, to get to North America, to get to all over Europe, to get to Eastern Europe, to get to Asia, and we had to do this as a brand to um, to be global. You know, people knows us, and then at that point, that's when you start realizing that some markets are better than others, that you're stronger in other markets than than others, and that's when you start kind of like you know, tightening up your strategy. So even though if it feels like we're doing more, we're doing less, but we're doing bigger. And at the same time, expanding to other territories that, that, that you know, that we haven't been able to do before. I think we'll see you on the moon for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, sorry. I, I know I didn't answer your question properly. Uh, so <laughs> in <right>. 10 years, <laughs> so I don't know where we'll see in 10 years. I, I would like to see the festivals growing and, and making everything much of a bigger experience for everyone, you know? So maybe in 10 years, we don't have to do 150 shows. Maybe we can do, I don't know, 50, 100. And, and that's covered for, uh, for everyone. And we can do bigger and better. Bigger and better. More yeah. wows. Yep, yep, yeah, absolutely. And my final question for you today, which I'm sure you'll have a good answer to because I'm sure you've been asked this a billion times, is do you have a guest list rule? Do I have a guest list rule? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Victor, tell us um, what you think. <laughs> a, no, I mean, that's a very simple guest list rule. Do you deserve to be on the guest list? That's it. Yeah, it is. You know? That's it. Yep. Whether whether it's for uh, one reason or another, uh, you know, you need to deserve to be on the guest list. Yeah. I've been working in the industry for, you know, 20 plus years, 24 years. I've not really been on guest list up until the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, it's 
sometimes it's a bit surpri not surprising, but it's the way it's the way life goes. But when you see kids that they've seen you one day or they add you on Facebook and then automatically they're asking you for guest lists. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you've got a long way to go. Yeah, got <laughs> a long way to go, mate, to get on this guest list. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, be nice, and obviously, if you're gonna be asking for guest list, uh, for me, you have to. I think you have to put yourself in the position of the promoter once before you ask for guest list. Yeah, uh, which a lot know. of people don't do. No, no, no. It's like having a not. restaurant and everyone coming to eat for free every single night. Right. Yeah, or you're a designer, you know, you're a designer and you're getting asked to, which happens a lot, you know, to get designs for free. Yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. No, yeah, I mean, cashless is good, but, you know, you need you need to earn it, I think, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I totally That's agree my with rule. you. I'm going to be politically correct on this one. <laughs> 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 your cashless spot. <laughs> it's a perfect answer i totally agree with you victor yeah. <laughs> listen i'm gonna let you go because i know that you're very very busy but i just wanted to say thank you thank so you. so much for coming on the podcast no thank you for having me thank That's you great. and i really really hope that i get to see you in person soon yeah hopefully i'll be coming to ibiza yeah for some holidays yes 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 <laughs> this summer so <laughs> And yeah. thank you guys always for the fun and the laughs and for always putting big smiles on on everybody's yeah. faces. As you said at the beginning of the show that it's it's all about fun and that's yeah. what we all need and that's definitely what you get when you go to Elro and, and when you're and when we're around you guys. So thank you so much and I'll see you thank soon. Thank you, Katie. Bye.